Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's welcome in Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith to expand on this Report on decriminalization of drugs. What could possibly go wrong? Right, Betsy? <laughs> exactly, Don. <laughs> you know, this this goes back to uh, 2020 Measure 110, which passed with 58% support. And, uh, you know, the, basically what it was was Oregon decided to, we're going to decriminalize virtually every drug uh, you know, every illegal drug. So, you know, you get caught with heroin and you get a ticket. And if um, you're addicted, which if you've got heroin, you're probably either addicted or you're dealing. Um, if you call this uh, drug rehab hotline that's funded with marijuana money, um, you know, legal marijuana money, mm-hmm. it's all very convoluted, uh, then your ticket basically goes away. And the the play here was, A, it's going to get a lot more people into drug treatment. And so we won't have this horrible street drug problem, you know, like you've got in the Kensington neighborhood and beyond. Um, and uh, so we'll get people into treatment. It'll get paid for by tax dollars from marijuana. And, uh, and also the big bad police won't be arresting people for victimless crimes so that was the that's how they set the scene well of course now we know that uh more people are overdosing more people are dying almost no one's going into rehab so now lawmakers are backing up and uh, they're going to recriminalize uh the possession of small amounts of drugs um so that police are able to confiscate the drugs. They're able to crack down on the open drug, um, you know, dealing and use on sidewalks and in parks and things like that. So, again, what we all said was going to happen mm-hmm. happened, and now the uh, lawmakers, mostly Democrats, are uh, backing up. Well, that's a good thing, but in some cases the damage is already done. You know, I wanted to ask you about the, and, and just overall in the country, I mean, because from your standpoint, obviously you've served at the local level in law enforcement in many different capacities. And, and now for the National Police Association, uh, you are somebody who has educated people. You do these different trainings, but you have an interesting 
view because now from a national standpoint, you're traveling across the country dealing with so many different levels of law enforcement. In Philadelphia, there was the story that we, we didn't even realize there was this DEI position that had been created during the pandemic, you know, when we had unprecedented murder and violence and that sort of thing. And I think the stat this past summer, which was tragic and record setting, was that a person in Philadelphia was shot or the victim of a, a violent crime every eight minutes in the city of Philadelphia this past summer. And so during the pandemic, they created this position, 150 G's they would pay for this newly created position under the former commissioner, police commissioner, and it was a DEI director. So recently that individual was fired and everybody went, oh, well, good, you know, because we need more cops out on the streets or, you know, working at at a grassroots level in community, whatever. But now the, the big smiling photo of the new DEI director, a 25 year old, and I believe they listed publicly the, the salary here, so I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not revealing anything. But the new DEI director, 25, West Philadelphia, very lovely lady, and I'm, I'm sure she's a smart individual and will do a great job in this newly created position. But $130,000 annual salary, hundred and thirty grand, which is more than double than a starting cop in Philadelphia makes as they're trying to recruit is this DEI director? Is this a thing? Is this happening across the country in law enforcement? Uh, not to the point that you're talking about Tamara Ramsey, right? Um, yes. So the, you have these positions um, in some of the larger agencies around, but uh, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of talk about Tamara Ramsey and uh, around the country in law enforcement that she is going, you know, that she's making way more than the cops and has presumably a much less dangerous and more cushy job than the cops. But she is going to figure out how to bring more uh, uh, people, you know, more women and more uh, people of color to policing in Philadelphia. And, of course, the, the word is, I mean, do we want more? Of course, we want um, our police forces to be diverse, but you cannot uh, do it with DEI because, uh, you know, that word equity doesn't play in law enforcement. And and again, I want to go back to 2020 post, post George Floyd, and I want everyone to remember all the shouts for, we need better educated cops. We need better trained cops. We need, you know, this and this and this. But now we're going to go, we're going to employ DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and not bring the best cops. We're going to have some sort of, and, and this has been going on for mm-hmm. 25 years in law enforcement now, um, where uh, we're going to uh, bring in people because, you know, because of their color or because of their gender and, and this and that. It doesn't work. It never works. And again, I want to point out, I am a woman hired in 1980 as a police officer. My very first sergeant literally said to me when I showed up, hey, I don't believe in broads and police work. So nobody <laughs> understands <laughs> Chicago. Nobody understands this issue more than me. But you know what I did? 
is I worked harder, mm. I was faster, I was stronger, and I was able to prove to my agency that I was going to be a damn good cop. We can't hire people solely based on certain characteristics. That doesn't do the department any good, and as sure as heck, doesn't do the agency any good. So I, I think this is a, I think this is a bad idea for Philadelphia. However, I want to tell you, people around the country are also talking about Philadelphia from the standpoint of your new mayor, mm-hmm. who, again, seems to be, um, you know, learning from the mistakes of the past. And, uh, and I think she could have a real big hand in saving Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, let's see, you know, we, we're all just in that wait and see, and we hope we all hope that th- that things will get better, and and sometimes I think how can they get worse? But you know, just it struck me that this this um this newly hired individual, Ms. Ramsey, making that kind of money, which is m- well over double what a starting cop makes, who's newly recruited, and then ultimately she she's not only getting that kind of money answering to a deputy commissioner so we're talking about layers of bureaucracy that's what i see here mm-hmm. and then on top of it so she she and she's from west philadelphia and i'm sure she's a great person i'm sure her family's really proud of her and all that good stuff but i notice that right now she's pursuing her master's degree in urban health at drexel university locally and so i'm thinking wow you have a full-time job and for me a full-time job means i i work 12 hours a day I'm on the air six live, but I'm 12 hours a day to this job and I'm a mom and you know what I mean? A wife and I have, I'm sure, you know, we all have other things we have to do too. I don't know how in my job I could fit in trying to pursue a master's degree at, you know, a high level university like Drexel. So that indicates to me that, that, you know, maybe that's not a 12 hour a day gig or even a, maybe it's not even an eight hour a day gig. I don't know. Or she's being allowed, and this happens a lot, she's being allowed to uh, do her studies on uh, city time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and perhaps even the city is helping her with her education. Um, you know, I hope that, because again, this is a second, you know, second person mm-hmm. um, sort of hired in this, in this capacity. And, uh, uh, you know, I hope that um, she... <laughs> I hope that she listens to the boots on the ground cops, and I hope that she doesn't uh, fall for the woke nonsense about law enforcement, and uh, and she really understands the recruiting and retention problems mm-hmm. uh, that the police department is having, and that's you know, and and that has nothing to do with DEI. So I really hope. Uh, that Tamara Ramsey uh, is paying attention. And mm-hmm. this isn't just some sort of PR stunt that, uh, oh, you know, we're, we're di- you know, I mean, because you, know, you always hear that now we know is a nonsensical statement. Diversity, diversity is our strength, blah, blah, blah. We now know that's all garbage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and but I do, I find it fascinating that even as billion-dollar companies around the country are dumping DEI, um, the city of Philadelphia, the police department is, uh, is kind of doubling down on embracing it. So, yeah. you know, this, it, believe me, uh, <laughs> the country is watching. 
Yeah, and and I will say this: just be, just being involved in the police athletic league and and dare programs and things of that nature, the greatest way, in my humble opinion, to to do two things at once is for more police officers to be involved. I would say at the middle school level, fourth, fifth, mm-hmm. sixth grades, and have an influence of of different law enforcement in the schools, ultimately recruiting, if you will. In other words, active situations where those kids at those young ages look up to different law enforcement officers, maybe like this young lady, Tamara Ramsey, who's from here, where they, where she can say, hey, I have this great job and I work in the city and I work for the police department, but make it a middle school level, not even high school, middle school, because that, to me, changing changing the image of cops and to your point they've been so put down what kid what philadelphia kid in west philadelphia or north philadelphia well they don't want to become a cop the cops are the enemy so how do how do we change that exactly exactly you and and i would go lower i would go down into the grade schools and you know start start with and we had this in the community i i worked for i actually ran these school programs we started in preschool having a cop come to every private and public preschool in the city and 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 we went from there so each year in school kids saw a police officer for at least you know one or two class you know classroom presentations about Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Different things, but they saw those cops in a positive light. And I had a team of cops. And that's all they did was go out and interact with young children. The problem that we have now in most cities, and I would guess as in Philadelphia, is because of the short staffing, those community policing programs are some of the first to go. So, you know, the first thing you've got to do is to be able to answer those 911 calls. So that would be, uh, you know, you are absolutely right. If you're going to have a director of DEI in the police department, one of the biggest things she needs to be advocating for is uniformed cops interacting with children. Because if we can get them interested in police work in grade school and get them to understand that, A, the police aren't your enemy, and B, you need to be a good kid. You need to stay out of trouble, stay away from the gang, stay away from drugs, so that when you get out of high school and turn 21, you can become a police officer. And there are programs, there are cadet programs. The minute 
you know, that they, yes. they get into high school. They can be police explorers and then they turn 18. They can be cadets and get a paid job. Um, those are the kind of programs that are going to bring diverse, uh, people, young people back to this profession. But you gotta have enough cops to answer the emergency calls before you can do anything like that. I wanted to ask you, and just switching gears here uh, as we continue the conversation with Sergeant Betsy Brantner Smith, just on the crime numbers and, and the, the uh, stats showing an average of 64 cars a day stolen in Philadelphia. I mean, it's crazy time here in Philadelphia with this. Um, what do you say about this as far as law enforcement, the stolen vehicles, and what's going on? Well, this is a nationwide trend. Look at Oakland, California. Car theft is up 50%. Uh, Washington, D.C., carjacking is their number one crime. This is all around the country, it, and it's, it's uh, crazy. And why? Why is that? Because people don't get caught, and they don't get punished. You know, the, when we got a handle on car theft in the 1990s, it was because we all, we uh, completely criminalized car theft. And, and I, I remember this because we kind of likened it to uh, horse thievery uh, back in the Old West days, if you will. Because think about this. When, you, when someone steals your car, it's not just a, 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 a property crime, a random property mm-hmm. crime. Um, someone steals someone's car, they take away their ability to shop, to get their yep. children to school, to get to their job, all of these things. But around the country, including in Philadelphia, car theft is seen as a nonviolent crime. So they're getting pushed, that, that, that uh, type of crime is getting pushed down by prosecutors because they're saying, well, this is nonviolent crime. So we're going to, you know, yeah, we're going to just charge somebody with some misdemeanor, maybe slap on an ankle bracelet so they can go out. And that's why you see them doing it again and again and again. And that's why you see juveniles involved in it, because any penalty they might face is even lower than an adult will face. So what we need to do a better job, law enforcement, is explaining to the public how car theft affects a crime victim. It's not just a random nonviolent crime that your insurance company is going to take care of. It is a life altering crime very often for the victim because where do a lot of these thefts occur? They occur in uh, middle class and poorer neighborhoods where someone's, you know, 2005 Toyota Camry is the their absolute lifeline when it comes to the business of living their life. Yeah, it's it's well put. It's just another quality of life issue, and it's such an invasion. I mean, I've had my car stolen, not carjacked, but stolen, and it's just, it's such a violation. And then all your stuff is in there, too, you know, yep. and so you have to replace yeah. that. But I know that we're on a 20-year high and those car thefts up more than a 1,000%. It's it's insane. But I think your answer is simple but true, as usual. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, thank you so much for joining me again. Until next time, my friend. Can't wait to talk to you again. We always have so much to talk about. <laughs> I know. I love it. I think I would name Betsy the new DEI officer in Philadelphia. Shake things. <laughs> I'm serious, too. Like. 
I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm ready. I'll take that salary. <laughs> It's a lot of money, 130 G's, and you get to go to school and get your master's. Wow. I'm all over it. <laughs> Until next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.